Hey, I'm sure we ask God every day to forgive us of our sins. Let's take a minute and do that collectively as a family, together at home, and we're going to do it here with you. Take a minute and just tell him thank you for that. sweet forgiveness from you Jesus Christ and what you paid to get it to us I mean we're hell bound without it and on a one way road to glory with it can't thank you enough for it that's why we're here to honor you to lift you up to thank you Father for this wonderful plan that you put together with the Son and the Spirit worked it all out to the glory of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray Amen well hi family I uh, wish I could see you again. I, I, I kind of echo what Lori said. Can't wait till we're back together. But at least we get to do this together. I, I will tell you, I'm getting used to preaching in my jeans. So this is pretty cool stuff here. I uh, don't know how long that'll last when we get back together. Jack Apolito tells a story about his daughter came home from school one day. She was in the second grade. And they had been asked to write a paper on their favorite hero, and she had chosen him. And he was delighted by that. He said, honey, uh, I'm so proud that you uh, picked your dad to be your favorite hero. Why did that happen? And he was expecting some long, gushy story. And it said very quickly, she said, well, Dad, to be honest, I didn't know how to spell Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Kids can be brutal, you know what I mean? Well, family, this, uh, this morning I want to talk to you about heroes, specifically two. Uh, we mentioned him last week, as a matter of fact. And, and here's hero number one. He, he's found out west. Uh, Possibly in the frontiers when he got his start. Uh, I'm talking about uh, heroes like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and Roy Calhoun and Roy Rogers. I'm talking about the cowboy. You know, we love cowboys. Here's a guy that's got a thousand head of cattle in front of him and thousands of miles of trail to run them in. He's got a woman waiting for him in every town that would love to marry him, but of course he can't because he's a cowboy and cowboys are married to the great outdoors. He uh, can go three weeks without a bath, and his hair never gets messed up. I love that about cowboys. He can outshoot, outdraw anybody. He can knock a fly off a rock with a spit, never get any on his chin. He's fast with his fist. He's slow with his walk. He's honest in poker, and the kids love him. He's a cowboy. Everybody loves a cowboy. Hero number two I love, too. He's not from out west. He's from out east, actually, a long way out east. He's the hero of the Bible. He's called a shepherd. Max Lucado talks a lot about this, and he writes, Now on the surface, these two heroes appear to be a lot alike, because the shepherd, just like the cowboy, he's leather and rustic too. He smells like the animals he lives with too. He sleeps under the stars and has to be constantly on the lookout for rustlers and wolves too. But that's just about where the similarities end, he says. Now, uh, family, South Union, we know that's true because we've talked a lot over the years about the sheep and the shepherd and the cowboy. And we know that one of the biggest differences between a cowboy and a shepherd uh, is the way they treat their animals. I mean, we've all seen pictures uh, of the shepherd with the sheep over his shoulder or he's caressing the sheep or giving it a kiss. In fact, years ago, we used to have a, a picture like that hang, hanging on the wall in the old church building for years. But let me ask you, have you ever seen a picture of a cowboy? caressing his cow, carrying it around on his shoulder, uh, giving it a kiss. I uh, mean, either. That would be a moving experience, wouldn't it? So we, we know uh, one of the other big differences between uh, the shepherd and the cowboy is, is the purpose of the animal. 
the cowboy, the, the reason he wants the cow is for the meat. He wants to eat it. I mean, me too. That's, that's what you do with a cow. So he drives the cattle. The shepherd, on the other hand, he wants to cultivate the wool. And so he leads the sheep. So you got two different animals and two different relationships. The cowboy drives the cows and the sheep leads, or the shepherd leads the sheep. We talked about that last week. Here's some other differences. The cowboy knows the name of all the other cowboys, but the shepherd knows the name of each one of the sheep. That is so cool. The cows have dozens of cowboys. The sheep just have one shepherd. Uh, so the cowboy, he wrestles brands, ropes, and herds, and the shepherd leads, guides, anoints, and feeds. So when you go through the similarities like that, what, what's the picture you get of our Jesus? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't announce himself on the scene as the good cowboy? No, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And that is so good. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we do see Jesus as the great cowboy. Square-faced, squinty-eyed, hard-nosed rancher from heaven who drives us Christians in, in places that we don't want to go to do things we don't want to do or to stop doing the things we want to do. I hope that's not how you see Jesus because he is the good shepherd and that means so much. And this isn't the first time we find him referring to himself as a shepherd. It's all over the Bible. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 79, we're the people, the flock of your pasture. Psalm 80, oh shepherd of Israel, listen to us. Psalm 100, he made us and we belong to him. We're his people, the sheep that he tends. Now that same image is carried over in the New Testament too. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. And in that parable, he's the shepherd, and he leaves 99 sheep in the open country, dangerous place to be, to go after one lost sheep. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus takes pity on Israel because they are sheep without a shepherd. 1 Peter 2.25 says, he's the shepherd of our souls. Isn't that neat? And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse, verse 20, says Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. And listen, the people that heard these scriptures for the first time, they didn't have any trouble at all understanding what Jesus meant because in Jesus' day, 80% of the population was agrarian, which simply means they lived off the land. The main part, a section of Judea, was about 17 miles wide and about 35 miles long, and it was all pasture. And so people hearing Jesus talk about the shepherd, uh, most of them either knew a shepherd, had been a shepherd, or, or had uh, traveled with a shepherd. And so they understood when Jesus said this. For example, they knew that he meant that he was on duty all the time because a shepherd was on call 24-7. And they understood that sheep do some pretty goofy things, and they need a shepherd's on call 24 hours a day. For example, sheep definitely need a shepherd who will lead them beside quiet waters because given to themselves, sheep will often go down to the river to get a drink. And you say, what's wrong with that? Well, when you're loaded down with wool and you don't swim very well to begin with, you get down to the river and you swept down the river, you could be swept down and drowned, and that would be bad. I mean, come on, you knew that was coming sooner or later, right? But don't we family sometimes, don't we have to admit that occasionally we get ourselves into some spiritually dangerous places? We do, don't we? And we need a shepherd who will lead us beside quiet waters. We need a shepherd who's on call 24-7. Another thing about sheep, sheep don't have any natural forms of protection. I mean, you never see a sheep with fangs or claws or horns. They're pretty vulnerable animals. And spiritually speaking, so are we. We need a shepherd who will comfort us and and, and lead us with his rod and his staff. 
Sheep tend to get lost pretty easily too. There's a woods not too far from here. In fact, it's just down the street from Jake uh, Pertiball's house that I grew up squirrel hunting in. It's only about a mile square. But the last time I was in that woods, I got lost. I was lost for 45 minutes. And you really do make a circle. I left my hat at a tree by accident, and I walked, and I thought I was just about out. 45 minutes later, I was back to my hat. Sheep are like that. They have no sense of direction. They don't know east from west and north and south. They desperately, like us, need a shepherd who will lead them in the path of righteousness. I mean, some of you listening today know exactly what, that's, what that means because that's where you're at right now with all this stuff going on. I mean, your life used to be black and white, and now there's a lot of gray area. I mean, you used to have a direction, and you were headed that way, and now all of a sudden with all this going on, you, you don't know what you should do. Should, should I take the job or stay put? Should, should I enroll in school? I mean, they might not even have school this fall. Should I marry him or dump him? I mean, a life is full of choices. And we desperately need a shepherd who will lead us and speak to us and tell us which way to go. Jesus said, I am that shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. On call 24-7. Now, the biggest problem, I think, with this text is it's, you know, it's deep enough for an elephant to swim around in and it's shallow enough for a kid to wade through. In other words, it's real easy to read, but it's so deep. There's so much in it. In fact, you could spend a week just talking about the good things that are going on in John chapter 10. But I figured you'd all want to do lunch, so I'll make a deal with you. Let's do three promises that we have from the Good Shepherd, and then let's take communion together and worship. Sound like a deal? Here's promise number one. The Good Shepherd says, Sheep, I know your needs. I love this. Look at verse 9 and 10. I am the gate, he says. And the person who enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and go and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. And not only life, but life to the fullest. Now, when you get a picture of this, and we talked about this years before. Max Lucado gives such a great picture of this. Uh, The gate. Uh, When it was time to put the sheep up for the night, if you got back to town, you were in good shape because you could just herd them into the corral and put them up for the night, go home and go to bed, and there would be a watchman. And you read about that in the Bible too. The watchman would watch the sheep. In the morning, you'd come and get them back out again. But if you got caught out in the pasture and it got dark, which happened a lot of times, you had to come up with a safe place for the sheep to be for the night to sleep. And so you had to make your own sheep pen. And you'd find a, you know, an outcrop of rock, maybe an L-shape, that would have been perfect. And you'd take some sticks and rocks and, and you'd make a little sheep pen. And you'd leave an opening about this big in the front. And then I love this, this is so much like Jesus. Then the shepherd would take his staff and stop each sheep as they came in. And he'd look them over. And he'd look, I don't know, for bug bites, thorns, ticks, uh, any kind of hurt or harmful thing that the sheep might cause him some pain. And if he found something, he fixed it. He would fix it. And then when he was done, he would anoint the sheep with oil and put them to bed. And when he got all the sheep in and anointed and down for bed, the shepherd himself would lay across the opening and become the gate. Isn't that awesome? See, no predator could get into those sheep without going through him first. None of the sheep could wander off and get lost without him knowing it first. Jesus said, I'm the gate, family. No evil can come to you without going through me first. And I'm not going to let any of you get out there and wander off without me coming after you. I'm the gate. Isn't that awesome? That's precious and so good. But we've got to be careful because he says, I know your needs, not your wants. Two big things, two different things. Uh, Years ago, I mean years ago, the kids were still teenagers. And I think I had all three of them, all three of the girls. And we were coming in from town and uh, they were hungry. Teenagers are always hungry. And uh, one of the girls said, Daddy, you know what we need? I said, what? We need Subway. 
for some reason, when my kids were younger, they loved Subway sandwiches. Have you ever seen a teenage girl eat a Subway sandwich? It's spooky. Now, the good thing is it doesn't last very long. It's over in seconds. But anyway, the girl said, Daddy, we need Subway. Now, I know what they needed. They need vitamins A, B, C, some calcium and zinc and that kind of thing. What they wanted was a sub sandwich. See, this is what's going on with Jesus. I, I'm, the great, I'm the good shepherd. I know what you need. He's not talking about bologna and cheese and cars and homes and, and uh, you know, shelter and those kind of things. Uh, it's something much deeper than that Jesus is getting at. Now, he takes care of those things too, which is amazing. But he's talking about something deep that we need. He's talking about something eternal that we've got to have. He's, he's talking about something that once we understand we have, it changes our whole projection in living. He's talking about John chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, If you'll confess your sins to me, I'll be faithful and forgive you and then cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Is that amazing? Forgiveness, sweet forgiveness that we just sang about that we get through Jesus Christ. Now, you can't get that from a six-inch sub on whole wheat with or without onion. You're going to need a hero for that. You're going to need a shepherd for that. We're going to need Jesus for that. When I was younger, we, you know, we spent all day outside playing like kids do today. And every now and then we'd get a splinter. And man, I hated splinters. I still hate them because of my memories of childhood. I am convinced when I got a splinter, my mommy was so happy about that. Because she'd get this grin on her face, and she'd run and get the sewing kit. And she'd get out a needle, and we'd have to sit on the couch and watch her light a match or a lighter and, and uh, sterilize the needle. Always looked like to me she was weaponizing the thing, you know what I mean? But then she'd sit us on the couch, and she'd get this grin on her face and this low giggle, and her head would start to spin, and she would dig on that thing till the wood got out. I hated it. Okay, I'm probably exaggerating. I don't remember her grinning and her head didn't spin and a low giggle on that. And she might not have liked it, but I'm not exaggerating when I tell you. I hated splinters. Well, one day I was walking through our living room and there was a toothpick in the carpet and I ran that thing in the ball of my foot. And I got it out the best I could because I didn't want her to know. But I didn't get it all and I knew I was in trouble. But I went about to tell my mom I hid it from her. Four or five days went by and then a week and the thing got infected. Man, it was nasty. I couldn't hardly walk on my foot, so I finally had to come clean. And to buy horror, my mom put my dad on that. Now, my dad was a small guy, but he had big hands. And big hands and a needle don't work out real well. And besides that, everybody ought to remember what my dad did for a living. That's right, he was a meat cutter, which under normal circumstances didn't bother me too much. But this time, it scared me to death. And so I watched a lot of Westerns, and I laid down on a couch and put a wash rag in between my teeth, and my dad went at it. And I'm telling you, up to that point, I'd never felt pain like that. It was infecting. He's digging that out. I'm screaming, Daddy, no, no, stop it. And he's saying, Son, I've got to get this out of here. And looking back on it, I know it hurt him as much as it hurt me. And, Daddy, no, please stop it. Son, I've got to get this out. And he dug and I screamed and he dug and I screamed and he finally got that thing out. And I crawled up on his lap and we snuggled. And I remember thinking then, What a wonderful man that takes care of my wounds, that fixes me like that and then cleans me up. Family, that's the shepherd of our souls. He wants to. He wants to fix what's hurting you. He, he, he wants to clean your wounds. But he can't if we hide from him. He can't get them out. One of my favorite comic strip characters when I was a kid was Dennis the Menace. And I remember one of the comic strips one time where he was kneeling at his bed uh, to say his nighttime prayers. And the caption just said, God, I'm here to turn myself in. Sheep, 
some of us need to turn ourselves in. Some of us are hiding some things, some hurts, some sin, some pain. And the longer we hide it, the more infected it gets and the bigger and the uglier it gets. Instead, some of us need to get out on our knees and do some business with the Good Shepherd today. Will it hurt, Cain? Yeah. Yeah, I probably will. But it's so good to get that out finally, to just be honest and say, Lord, I messed up, man. I lost my temper last week. I got, I got to have some help, Lord. I, I, got, I got out of control on this, Lord. What I need to do to fix it. Lord, I'm ashamed of myself, what I watched last week. What I read, what I did after I watched it. I need you to clean me up. Again, is it painful? Yeah. But it's so good. And, and it's not some weird theological ritual we go through, this confession deal. It's being honest with the shepherd and let him fix what's broken. And here's the neat thing about it. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Once he fixes our hurts and cleans it up, he forgets all about it. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Not a little, not every once in a while, no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. It's such a neat deal. He forgives us, he cleanses us, and forgets all about it. And we need that these days because everybody else is condemning. Everybody in your life is going to find something wrong with you. Your mom will, your dad will, your elders will, your teachers will, your, your peers, your, your siblings. Everybody will find something wrong with you. And if they don't, call me up and I'll help you out. Everybody except the good shepherd who, because of the work he did on the cross, looks at us and sees us whole and righteous and pure. He's good, I tell you. Number two, and the last two go real quick because I knew I, I went long on number one. Number two, he not only knows our needs, but he, he knows our name. I mean, that's huge. There's an ad in the newspaper one time. It said, lost dog, brown, lots of bald spots, missing one ear from a fight, broken right leg from a car accident, and missing his uh, uh, right eye. Goes by the name of Lucky. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot in a name, you know what I mean? And look at verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, I guess so. But I love this. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. You, you know, it's hard to take somebody's um, concern for you seriously if they don't even know your name, if they don't respond when you're talking, if they don't answer you back, if they don't engage with you, if they're not with you. It's hard to take their concern seriously. But Jesus, the good shepherd listens every time we speak, interacts every time we ask him to. And boy, does he know our name. He, he knows each one of our names, verse 4 and 5 says. It's so important. And I'm telling you, you need to find a quiet moment today, maybe during communion right now, or even better, when the day's over and the thunderstorms come in, find a quiet place and ask him to speak your name. Oh, man, it's so good. You might not hear it audibly, but you'll know it. And again, that's important too because people are so mean today. People have names for everybody. Oh, he's divorced. Oh, she's a widower. Oh, he's an alcoholic. Oh, she drinks. Oh, he's on food stamps. People label us. They stamp us. They think they got us all figured out, but they don't. But the good shepherd does. He knows all about you. And he knows your name. In fact, the Bible says he has your names written on the palm of his hand. Isn't that amazing? And the truth is, 
you might have already heard me speak your name. If you have, then you know by experience what I can tell you by experience. He speaks your name like nobody else. Whether you hear it audibly or just in your heart, when God speaks your name, oh my goodness. And that's the way it should be. That's the bond between a dad and his kids anyway. You know, I, I'm thinking I, I call Andrea Snoops. I call Ashley Murps. I call Amy Roops. I call uh, Angie the Boodle. I got nicknames for all my grandkids because that's the way it is. I don't know if you all could get by with calling Ashley Murps or Andrea Snoops, but I can because I'm daddy. And there's a special bond between us. Do you understand? That's your bond with the Good Shepherd. He has a name for you, for each one of you. you. Just get quiet and let him speak it. It's amazing. One more. He knows our needs. He knows our name. And one last thing, he has a dream for us. I'm just going to spend a minute on this because I want us to have uh, plenty of time for communion. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep who are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they'll be, look at this, one flock and one shepherd. Wouldn't that be good? One flock and one shepherd. Man, that would be glorious. I'll tell you uh, one thing as a father with my kids growing up, one of the things that, that hurt me and made me mad more than anything else is when my kids fought. I don't like it when my grandkids fight. And I can't think of anything more devastating than to have had my kids grow up and still fight. They don't. They're best friends. But there's families that do bicker and fuss and jockey for position. Can I tell you, if that's you, sheep, you need to stop it because it kills your parents. It's so hard on your grandparents. But can you imagine how tough that is on God? I mean, when the Methodists make fun of the Baptists and the Baptists make fun of the Church of Christ and the Church of Christ condemns the Christian church and the Christian church and on and on and on. One day the Bible says, one flock, one shepherd, wouldn't it be nice if just one weekend you drive down through Bloomington and you didn't see First Presbyterian Church, First Baptist Church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, Christian Church, South Side, North Side, that you just saw a sign that said church. And we all just kind of focused on the one thing that we have in common. That's sweet forgiveness through the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ. It's coming one day. One flock, one shepherd. What a dream he has for us. Personally, I can't wait. I want to take communion with you, as always, and then worship with you. sure appreciate this worship team week after week. But before we do, I want to mention this one more time. <clears throat> if you're listening and you've not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to call me up. My number's on the website, but I'll just give it to you again. It's 327-6549. I mean, can you not see what's going on? At the very least, things are crazy right now. And somebody might say, well, Cain, you just want to bring people to the Lord through fear? I don't know. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. It's a good start. I'm just telling you that there's a lot of enemies out there, a lot of wolves running around, and Jesus says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said the hired hand will run as soon as the wolf comes. And if you're being led by anything else but Jesus Christ, you can get by with escaping some wolves. People do it every day. But there's one dark, nasty, evil wolf that's running out here. It's going to attack every one of us one day, and it's called death. It's appointed unto each man once to die and then to face the judgment. And I want to remind you as lovingly as I can, if that wolf shows up on your doorstep and you don't know Jesus Christ, it's going to be ugly. Uglier than I can possibly tell you. 
Um, I will when we get back together. I'm not going to talk about hell live on Facebook. Just not. But you don't have to let that happen today. You can call me today and we can talk about what a wonderful Savior we have. What a glorious good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. That's why we're going to come this morning as a family. And a family where you're at and as a family here as a church. And we're going to celebrate the broken body of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. What a great Savior. What sweet forgiveness we have through him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for making it possible for us to connect with each other this way. Oh my goodness, uh, we miss each other so much, Lord. But how nasty it'd be if we couldn't even do this. You're so good to us. Always, in so many ways. Taking care of so many needs and always will. We know that. We ask your forgiveness in the places where we haven't trusted you. Uh, it's been me, Lord, forgetting to live one day at a time. We, today we're doing that. Today we're going to rejoice and be glad because this is the day you've made. We're going to celebrate you and celebrate each other and look forward to the day you come and get us. Thank you for being such a good shepherd and a great Savior. It's in your precious name we pray.